Holy shit, what a weekend. Uh, I'm Kyle Pagan. This is Crossing Broadcast. I barely got a voice. I know some of these guys probably don't either. Hit that thumbs up for me. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. Whether you're watching on YouTube or you're watching or you're listening on the podcast. Not. Let's get right into it. Let's bring Kevin Kincaid on. Let's bring Big Daddy Bobby Ranks on right now. Bob, I know you have to have your little journalistic integrity. You still cover the team and everything. You know, very professional kind of guy. But how fucking cool is this? Like, you grew up rooting for the Phillies. And then you're in the locker room drenched by champagne, beer, because the team you grew up loving is now going to the World Series. What's this like? It's exactly what I wrote about yesterday, actually. Um, it, it's awesome, man. I mean, there's no, really no other way to say it, right? Like what I wrote in the story was basically that we all do this. You, you grow up in this area and you, there are a lot of people in this market to cover the team. And they have to be objective. They have to be fair and balanced. And and I get it. You go down in the press box, like you're not pumping your fist, you're not clapping, you're not cheering, you're not doing those things. But I will tell you this. No, I was rooting for him. I was. And to be on the field after that game, we went down through the tunnel and I just took it in. Like we, we were standing on the infield grass right as they were getting ready for the trophy presentation. And I took my phone and I didn't even look at it. And I just did a 360 around the infield, 45,000 plus going absolutely crazy. Like, And in that moment, I saw what those players saw. And it was a one of the coolest things that i've i've experienced you know from a professional level it was it was awesome it any really du- was. any any dusty eyes be, be no. honest no actually uh not at all i mean like i love i love the phillies i grew up loving the phillies um i think i can be objective i think i can be fair and balanced but it was a really cool moment and to you know be able to you know tell people about it explain what i did you know from a professional standpoint it was it was a really really cool experience Kev, as a, as, a, as a boy growing up in Boyertown, <laughs> hours away from Philadelphia, whether you had the chance to either root for the Yankees or you had the chance to root for the Phillies, I don't know what you, drew, you did growing up. How does this feel to you? Phillies are in the World Series. Boyertown was a huge baseball area. Are you kidding me? Like, Boyertown was massive. Oh, Boyertown, yeah, we, that was our big rivals yeah. growing up. We hated yeah. Boyertown. Boyertown, baseball is the number one sport in Boyertown. Probably the number one sport in Berks County, actually, if if you think about it. Um, well, maybe not up in like Reading, but yeah, I mean they got like wood, like these wooden like baseball bat leagues and everything up there, like in like Fleetwood and like uh, you know Topton. And all. Baseball is huge up there, so the Phillies were always like number one, man. I thought it was badass. I, I can't believe it's the same team that we watched. Uh, ten, let's say ten twenty five. I guess it was nine twenty. Was it nine twenty four when they started that Cubs series and then when they got swept by the Cubs? I can't. I can't believe it's the same team that we're still watching, man. But that's the beauty of the of the baseball playoffs being so quick, man. It's every Friday for three Fridays in a row we've had a champagne celebration. I feel like I'm yeah, doing my routine every week. I got to get the computer up because they're doing another celebration here. You know, it's it's funny that you bring up that Cub series and where they were at just before the end of the regular season. Uh, Anthony and I have of all people in the clubhouse post game on Sunday night get John Middleton, <laughs> and yeah, 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 we're talking to him and we bring it up. I mean, Anthony asked the question. He's like, where were you at when, when they were, you know, getting swept by the Cubs in that first game uh, against the nationals, that double header that Saturday, and you got Garrett Stubbs finishing the game on the mound. And, and John Middleton said it. He was like, what are, like, my reaction was, what are we doing here? You know, like, which yeah. was pretty much the reaction of the in- entire city. And so Rob Thompson's talked about it so much where this team was 
at the at the end of the season, I think they felt the weight of a, a possible collapse, that storyline. And once they cleared that hurdle, I really think that they just felt like we can do this. And the way that this team has played, I mean, it's just been it's been incredible to watch. So wait, let me with did they when when they let you guys all in, they were like mid celebration and they're doing the celebration or whatever. And then did they all just kind of disperse and and uh middle was Middleton just hanging out with everybody and you guys just he he was just talking to media, you guys walked up in did, did Anthony grab him like <laughs> what what so the way the way this all played out, like we went in, um Rob Thompson gives his speech, I guess, right, to the to yeah. the team, and only uh, a couple TV cameras were in there at that point. So the writers weren't in there at that time. So they finish the speech. They they do their like initial rush on him. And then dancing uh, on my own comes on. And then the clubhouse door opens. And then at that point, we're we're walking into that scrum of them just jumping around, going crazy, uh, singing and dancing to that. So that was like I walked in right as they were getting into it. Um, that do they provide on. goggles? Do they provide goggles for the media? No, no, no goggles, but – it was a situation where uh, an extra an extra pair of clothes was was necessary. I mean, you're in it. Like, there's the circle, a couple TV guys, and then you're right behind it. And I mean, you're getting beer hit in the face, champagne getting in the face. I mean, I actually have a few videos that I was taking where like the the beer just hits the lens and you can't even see anything. It was chaos. Yeah, yeah, Those guys yeah. got after it, man. Like they really did. It was it was an impressive display. Is there anything behind the scenes that like people? like don't realize like like you know the nuances of like the locker room celebration like i always thought it was it was so cool how like everything's just like tarped up yeah so uh all their like individual stalls are all tarped up uh you got the music just going crazy you got just 30 packs of beer everywhere uh so much of that beer doesn't get drank especially at the beginning of it though like it's just <laughs> on the floor it's on the walls it's on your face uh, so you see all those beers going, and you're like, those guys must be getting absolutely hammered. It probably took a while to, to reach the level of intoxication that, that the occasion deserves, right? Um, but, yeah, it was, it was really cool. So to go back to Kevin's point about, like, so how do we get Middleton? We were in there, like, I don't, I don't know. It was probably about 30, 40 minutes or so. Like, they went hard the entire time. Like, it was, like, everyone jumping around, and then they'd sort of, like, break off and, like, do, a, a, like, a one-on-one or with a group of reporters, and then they would kind of, like, reconvene and get after it again um john middleton talked to jamie apodi i guess uh for a couple minutes uh and john clark and then he was sort of just lingering around and that's where we grabbed him and we had him for about probably probably a good five minutes one thing i give the guy a lot of credit for is that's one of the biggest days of his professional career and you know he's he's talking to the people that asked him questions and really gave some insightful answers, like anecdotal stuff. He wasn't just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like get out of my face. So it was, it was yeah, cool. And he was handing the trophy out. He was um, handing the trophy out to the fans and letting yeah. them hold it and getting them involved and stuff. Like say whatever you, you will, man. I mean, like he, he's been doing that kind of stuff all, all season long, you know, like 180 um, from, seven months ago on John Milton for this fan base walking yeah. the concourse and like, you know, pulling people up to his box and like, you know, just, just saying hi, like being a normal dude. Cause you could be one of those asshole owners who just sits up there in the box and never comes down or whatever. But I mean, to me, that goes a long way, especially in this town that he's like uh, being a man of the people. And, and yeah, here it is. They got uh good photos of it. Like he's uh, just, Hey, here, here's the trophy. Hold it. You know? I mean, how many, how many think about it, like how many owners would do that? You know? 
No, I'll, I'll tell you my read here. Uh, and there were a couple people we were praising him for these things. And I got some DMS like, oh, I guess you guys forgot about the, the cuts they made in the organization post COVID. And I guess you guys uh, didn't think about the way that some of their minor leaguers had been treated previously. And I'm like, okay, like, listen, that's a, a totally different story that comes from a, a financial consideration. If you're a fan, if you're a fan of the team and you care about the product on the field, you want an owner that wants to win. And and one thing I will tell you unequivocally is that John Middleton wants to win. Now, does that mean that everything that he's done is, is perfect? Does that mean that you have to agree with every decision that gets made? Uh, no, not at all. In fact, you know, some of the minor league stuff, probably some questions there, right? Like seeing people lose their jobs after COVID, not awesome. But the money has been spent and invested on the on-field product. And when you talk to the guy, like, you know, you know he wants to win. You know it matters to him. And there are so many different owners across four major sports leagues in this country that that don't care. And, uh, you know, Philadelphia is fortunate in that way. Not that we need to sit here and pump up John Middleton. It's not the primary storyline, but relevant. Yeah. yeah, as Doc Rivers would say, we're not going on a John Middleton victory tour here. Yeah. <laughs> um, one, one more question I have about the locker room celebration. Um, do they tell you guys like, hey, listen, like if you want to expense like the, the dry cleaning bill, we'll, we'll pick it up. Like I actually no. will under that now. No, you know, the one question I kept getting was like, did, did you get uh, did you get to like have a beer in there? I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. That I'm sucks. Always- like one thing I've definitely learned, like being in media a little bit more, is that like people have no idea what happens. Like mm-hmm. we're not in there like high fiving Kyle Schwarber. We're not like knocking back a butt heavy. Like see, I could never be a writer. I could never yeah. be a writer. I would just yeah. I see a party and I just want to go and gravitate towards it. You're yeah. not like the Colorado <laughs> Avalanche writer who was lifting the Stanley Cup with the stogie yeah. in his mouth. Yeah. Come on, Bob, 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 Bob. Kyle Schwarber has the trophy. It's passed to Bryce Harper, and it's passed to Aaron Nolan, and then it's passed around to the other 26, 27, whatever guys, 40-man roster, whatever. It's going to Anthony Sanfilippo. Anthony Sanfilippo looks at it <laughs> and maybe raises it, but there's no. not but no. there's not he, any. No, no Anthony okay, would never. Anthony would sorry. never. He's John he's Clark. Wait, hold on. John, John, Clark, John Clark gets the trophy, and he raises it. <laughs> well, you know it's what? going it's to Bob Wankel next. Hold on. Is Bob Wankel lifting the commissioner's trophy? <laughs> No, I wouldn't. No. Come on. Now, if I got like bullied into it, like if a, if a player was like, lift it, you, you know, like, you something like, yeah. Like, yeah. If, if Real Muto told him to lift it or else he's yeah, a pussy, like, then the Bob would have it. <laughs> and then Bob it. hands it to Jamie Apote, who hands it to Matt Gelb, who hands it to Marcus Hayes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know what? The circle of life, the Philadelphia Equinox is then yeah. born. It brings can, everybody can just- together. Can I just say, now that that got brought up, uh, that made some waves uh, down at the park on Sunday. Let's so here go. We are. Here we yeah. are, game five of the NLCS, one of the most important <laughs> days in Philly's history. All the writers are assembled at Citizens Bank Park. I'm standing in line getting my lunch. I'm getting my cheeseburger, and I get a tap on the shoulder. Interesting story on Crossing Broad. <laughs> And I said, what do you mean? And a prominent writer, I'm not going to name him, prominent writer said, oh, just uh, a really, really funny story. It made me laugh, but it's making it fucking awkward for everybody. (laughs) The athletic with ads. 
I actually like Marcus Hayes. So wow, I, I know, right? Um, I've had some like back and forth with him, like uh, you know, Twitter DMs over time. Uh, always say hi to him down stadium. Very nice one on one with me. I wouldn't say we're best friends, and uh, I don't like eat with them, but like very cordial. Mm-hmm. And I walked by him, and I I knew that that he knew about the story, and I just didn't even say anything. I went, <laughs> like, I got I didn't a team like cover. Yeah. You know, uh, that yeah. was kind of my. That's what I turned. Around. I said to this writer who had alerted me to it. I I read it, and I walked back up to him. I said, ah. <laughs> I said, well. My name's not on it. I don't know what to tell you. Like Matt shouldn't have put that on uh, his athletic feed, and then they wouldn't have had to have their one-on-one to figure it out. You All you got to do, right. Bob. All you got to do is say, "I have no idea what you're talking about." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know of that which you speak. I mean, well, well, is a is a big organization. A lot of people write write things. Yeah. You're not always alerted. To I will it. tell yeah. you. I think yeah. I think that there were some people down there that really enjoyed the with with ads. Uh, element of that story yeah they're gonna watch their listen it's not even matt gelb it's the owner of the athletic who's like we're gonna watch these newspapers bleed and then they're like all right we're sending the new york times yeah alex mather like pissed people off forever there was never anything there was never any coming back from that you know (laughs) not to take away all the great work that they do at the athletic because they do but i mean like that guy just that that quote was just like a man that's that has got to go down as one of the worst quotes of all t- of all time, you know. That should yeah, be so on I don't the, know uh, if I have more works. anxiety trying to to yeah. navigate the initial fallout of your your yeah. story or yeah. the uh, eighth inning of the, of the game. I'm That's just happy we, do. we just do the snarky shit at home, and then Bob's got to deal with it in, the, in, <laughs> in the, person. Yeah. Like, yeah. I got to go play with all the adults after your, you know. Listen, have at it. Yeah. One day this will catch up to me. Okay. One day I will. Yeah. It will catch up to me. I will have to answer for all my sins, but. They can meet me on Frankfurt and Cotman if they really want to talk to me. Yeah. I think that the prevailing sense down there is that you're you're a raging asshole, but they think you're pretty talented. That's what I yeah. think is pretty much pretty much the <laughs> that's been my life story. Yeah. So I'm just happy that's to be a kinda, storyline. Yeah. That's kind of crossing broad theme. That's yeah. a crossing broad theme. I think it's like, oh, these guys Eddie are Kyle? assholes. Oh no, wait, we met them. Oh, they're actually not that big of assholes, yeah. you know. So it's just about getting in front of people, you know. Showing exactly. them that we're not assholes. We're normal dudes, just like uh, Frankfurt and Co- everybody at Frankfurt and, and Cobbett. So we picked the right place to go, Pagan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank God your expertise in uh, in news uh, in the past. You led me down that path. We were talking about going down to the stadium. We were talking about going down to Broad Street. We were talking about going to Port Richmond. But um, my people, my favorite people are in the Northeast. And when I tell you, I saw 10 to 15 recurring characters from videos past. Now, a lot of people I think have just discovered what I do in the last uh, 24, 48 hours. I did not know that everybody that's ever made a prominent soundbite has had a prominent uh, clip in my videos. All hails from right around Frankfurt and Cotman. And I I love them. I I love them. I mean, I wrote this in the story. I wrote about it on the blog today. It's like when, when the hangover came out, people were like, you got to go see this movie. It's one of the greatest comedies of all time. So much that you're kind of like, all right, it's it's probably good. And then you go and you watch it and it exceeds all of your expectations. Yeah, that was me yeah. thinking about Frankfurt and Cotton and being like, this is going to be a really good video. I understand that. And then it just exceeds all of your expectations. Yeah. Every single person, it was just like, bam, 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 yeah. perfect. The woman who said, I, hey, mom, I love yeah. you, bitch. Yeah. Um the little kid the little kid being um titties, you know, be, fuck be, bitches get money guy. Yeah. What was so what was the guy the guy at the end of the <clears throat> truncated 
clip that we did for the for Twitter, the two minutes and twenty seconds. It looked like he was drinking out of uh it looked like a big like Viking horn or so. It looked yeah. like a ceremonial uh so what was were, that that he was drink, drinking out of? They called it a candlestick, but it had to be a table leg. It was definitely a table leg, but supposedly <laughs> the the story behind it, I asked, it didn't make the video, but I asked the guy and I said, Hey, listen, um, what is this? And he goes, I bought it hungover from a flea market for $4 today, something yeah. on top of it. That's what they said was a candlestick. It broke off. So obviously Northeast ingenuity, they go, yeah. well, if the Phillies win, we're going to chug out of this. So yeah. It looks like, yeah, it looked like it oh, had yeah. like intricate carvings on it. It looked uh, sh- shamanistic, you know, a little bit of, um, you know, tribal. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, you know, Poly- Polynesian perhaps. Um, Let's get a good look at this thing here. Okay, it's a. Uh, this was actually a really touching moment. Like he oh, thanked everybody and like memorialized everybody who has passed, who could not celebrate this today, including his own mother. And then he chugged out of a candlestick. It looks Hell like yeah. A, yeah, it looks like very ornate. Look at the carvings on that yeah. thing, man. Yeah. I want to say something about Reality's Bar. Yeah. I just an ultimate Northeast institution. I mean, you go to I went to take a piss above yeah. the urinal. They're advertising five dollar twisted tea lights, twisted teas, twisted tea. <laughs> the best, by the way, the best the best thing about this video is the Hertz and all state signs. <laughs> the all state. There's a John Morgan sign in the back. There's a Pond Lee hockey billboard in the back. Like they this got is not great like broad, advertising. This is not like Broad Street where it's like the Avenue of the Arts and like yeah. this amazing backdrop. It's like you got Hertz rent a car and like all state <laughs> at the front. There's like not really is. I think there used to be a music store at the Frankfurt and Cobden Exchange, but otherwise it's a very like innocuous kind of intersect. There's you not. Know, a I, got a question. I got a question for you. If if Kyle Scott was dropped off in the middle of this this fiesta. <laughs> <laughs> what was your reaction be? Could he hang? Could no. he make it work? Or no, he couldn't hang. He'd be afraid of COVID, first of all. That would be number one why he would never do it. He's afraid of Philadelphia, so that's another reason why he would never come down here. And he's not a man of the people because once you once you cut your check and once XL Media paid him, he stopped becoming a man of the people. It's really hard to be a man of the people when you're a millionaire. I'll tell you that. He, he would, he would no show shot. up wearing a he would show up wearing the uh, the hazmat suit that Embiid wore exactly. on the plane to go down to to the bubble. You know. Oh my God! You know? Yeah, yeah. He says he's trolling people down at Disney World right now. That's yeah. his people. That's yeah. Kyle Scott's people right now. He's yeah. He's Kyle's a got a million Disney World. He's got, he's got more antibodies than the rest of the planet combined. But he would still <laughs> go down there in a full full head to toe, uh, you know, suit and with the. You know, with Lysol wipes to spray spray everything down. You know, he's, oh, he's walking around Epcot right now, and he's like, "I saw somebody in a Jose Altuve t-shirt jersey, and I told him we're gonna beat you in seven, pal." <laughs> <laughs> but I kept six feet away from him, and I was double masked. No, a video, a video that a video that we should do with Kyle is Kyle rides the L, or Kyle rides the Broad Street line from the NRG Stadium all the way back to Fern Rock, and we just put a video on him for 20 minutes and see what and see everything that happens. As yeah, just nervously time, looking around. The whole time he uh, just talks about inflation. Though, though, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I have a question, though, and I saw you taking some heat on Twitter for this. What's with the temple sweatshirt? You couldn't so, spray Phil's gear? Uh, I, I don't have any Phil's gear. I, I wear the same coat for every video, so I... Wanted to try to like you know, be different a little bit. Um, okay. It's red and white. We also um, we also do every Eagles bye week. Uh, my buddies and me we go back to Maxie's, which is the bar on Temple, and we went to Maxie's before this. The game happened to be 
okay. at 2.30. So I was there until about the fifth inning. It's a very, it's red and white. Who gives a fuck? It's a, it's okay. a lot of people were like, go else like that. A lot of people love the shirt and in the sweatshirts ruined. It's one of my favorite sweatshirts too. Cause of the face paint guy with the kids saying, fuck bitches, get money, got face paint all over the back of it. Well, the overall reaction to the video was so overwhelmingly positive that you had to have some people on Twitter bitch about something. Oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, this is from from Kyle could not hang at Frankfurt and Cotman as much as I love my fellow Wildcat. Yeah, there's you're 100 percent right. The guy could never could never do yeah. it. Um, anything else about the video before do, I? Uh, do you think they were partying on the mean on the mean streets of Perkasie? <laughs> Kyle doesn't even live in Perkasie anymore. I can't. Yeah. I guess I can't do that anymore. They were going crazy in Dublin. Yeah, you know, they were going like, nuts at the Bluebell PJs, Pilly J. Yeah. Wallerham. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, Bluebell exactly. Country Club is thinking about maybe hosting a watch party for Game One. That's right. Yeah, the crazy, the craziness. I don't even know if they have light poles there, but uh, in, well, in Perkasie that is. But yeah. so yeah, he's talking. He's he was uh, saying he saw a lot of Astros fans down at Disney World. You know, wearing the orange. I get yeah. the feeling that they are. Uh, doesn't this have Super Bowl vibes from like yes. five or six years ago? Because everybody oh, fucking hates the Astros. hundred percent. It's almost like I kind of feel. Well, no, I don't feel bad for the other fan bases, but it's like, yeah, they're picking the lesser of two evils because they all hate Philadelphia, but they hate the Astros more. It's a very unique set of circumstances to have the Philadelphia team be the national, the national backing. (laughs) Twice in five years, man. Twice in five years, it would just take the New England Patriots and the Houston Astros to be the opponents for. for We are we are going to own like we did uh, during the Super Bowl. Sports Center and all the other sports blogs and and yeah. everything like we that's that video was an NLCS video that was just going to the World Series. Uh, if they win, I'm going to go back. A promise is a promise. Craig's not going to join me. Um, <laughs> I, I think Craig's like terrified of of Frankfurt and Cotman. Um, By the way, can I just can I real quick can I back up into something here before we get into yeah. the Asher stuff? Before I forget, um, not to jump around, but it would be worse to jump back to this later. Bob, did you did you? I Bob Melvin was getting killed um, for the way that he managed. Well, I I guess yeah, game five specifically, game four is whatever you know. But I mean, would you have, in hindsight, would you have brought Hater in to to pitch to Bryce Harper then? And then what did you what did you think about the ninth inning bunt? Yeah, I mean, so it's always easy uh, anytime something goes so incredibly wrong to say I would have totally done the opposite thing. Um, like for instance, where I, I didn't really assign blame, like go back to game four. Like, I didn't think it was an egregious mistake to start Bailey Falter over Noah Syndergaard, even knowing what we know now, like I, I couldn't kill Rob Thompson for that in the eighth inning of, uh, the game Sunday. I mean, we're watching this. We see real Muto get the single, hit the single to start things up. And I'm like, haters, not ready like are they going to go out and stall like are they are they seriously going to let this happen and I looked at Anthony and I just said like he's getting into the box they're going to do this and I was like what a fucking mistake this is and sure enough I mean it it played out that way now listen uh, Suarez had gotten Harper out uh, in game two I believe he hit into a double play late in the game I want to see the eighth inning Suarez had not allowed a home run to a left-handed hitter the entire season. Like there were some really good data points to, to let him take down that batter. And I know that Bob Melvin said that hater wasn't equipped to go six outs. Like they just weren't going to do that with him. 
I just think that that's the, the highest leverage spot you could possibly get. Like if I'm, if I'm Bob Melvin, I'm taking my best guy and making sure that this guy, Bryce Harper, who's playing out of his fucking mind, isn't the guy that beats me. Bryson Stott beats me in the ninth. Gene Segura beats me in the ninth because Josh Hader can't go five outs, six outs, then so be it. But I'm not letting Bryce Harper beat me in that spot. And in the moment, I could not believe that that happened. Okay, Pagan, I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure we got that no, in there. I, that actually transitions really well into what I wanted to ask. This is, this is a tough question I'm going about to ask right now. Is Bryce Harper the most famous number three of all time in this city? <laughs> That's a Rush, good I would say yes. Well, uh, all he has to do is is hit a big home run in game one of the World Series <laughs> and then have the Astros sweep them. But we'll always just focus on that one thing he did in game one yeah. and then overvalue his entire existence. Wow. Well, this is the no, clip. Um, we found the like clip. That. We found it. You're Bob, we're good. <laughs> that was it. No, listen, I mean, um, I don't know how to answer that question. Probably not yet. I mean, like Allen Iverson's just like on a different planet for people here, but um, he's on his way. Like if they win a championship, I almost think that that's the distingu- the distinguishing factor. What yeah. he has done this postseason is unbelievable. And this is one of the things I touched on yesterday on a story I posted on the site. Sometimes you have those role players have those incredible moments. Like we talk about Matt Stairs' home run. To have a player with the expectations that Bryce Harper carries, to be the guy that gets that contract, to perform in that moment and be the guy and perform at such a high level for such a sustained period of time and then have that moment on top of it, yeah. that's legendary shit. I mean, there are a handful of people on the planet that can perform at that level at that spot. What you're seeing right now is all-time stuff. I mean, all-time epic stuff. And that's not being a prisoner of the moment. That's not uh, being a prisoner of, you know, being in the Philadelphia market, observing something that just happened and meant a lot in Philly. That is an all-time swing in Major League Baseball history. It's crazy to me because – First of all, he missed two months this year. Um, and, like, he's not uh, – see, uh, Bob, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong because I, I try to remember back to this and, like, it's fuzzy for me. But, like, when Bryce Harper was coming up and we hated him when he was with the Nationals, like, I, like, I always thought of him in that same vein as, like, when I, like, hated J.J. Redick with Duke. Right. Like, this kind of, like, annoying dude who's, like, really good and kind of – I don't know, young and brash or whatever, and you know, pain in the ass or whatever. But when he came here, he was like, like quiet and, and like the kind of soft spoken and like understated and just kind of like a normal dude. I don't know if I just had a misread on Bryce Harper this entire time when he was with the with the Nationals, but I mean, he seems like just so I don't know, just like dialed in and focused and like like calm. I don't, you know, when he put the trophy down on the the podium or the dais or the table, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And then he said, I don't even want to do this, but the, but baseball's making me do this. Like to me, that was like the final indicator of like, okay, yeah, this guy's, this guy's like, like no family up. baseball. That's yeah. what he is. That's, yeah. that's all he is. Yeah. There's so many different layers when it comes to Bryce Harper. Like one of the things that I think is, is truly fascinating about him is you go back to he's 16 years old. He's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He's the next big thing. I mean, like the, Lebr- the, the, the LeBron James of baseball, sort of. It was like the storyline. He leaves high school as a junior and is playing Juco baseball and wins Golden Spikes Award. He's the, the best amateur baseball player in, in America in, uh, as a 17-year-old. I mean, it's insanity, right? Like to be pegged at that level 
and then achieve what he's been able to achieve and then perform in these spots the way that he does, it's it it just takes something so special. Yeah, you have to have the talent, but you have to be just hardwired a certain way to be able to elevate and, and just seemingly elevate, elevate, elevate when things seem to matter more and more. And when you get into these environments, it's, it's amazing to watch. And, you know, I, I hear the word pandering so much attached to Bryce Harper and like, does he do that a little bit? Sure. Like, you know, the fanatic cleats and he, a lot of what he says about the fan base, like, you know, they're blue collar. They just want us to bust our butts. Like he knows how to say the right things, but I think that it's off base to say that there's not some degree of sincerity in that. Like, the guy wants to win. He wants to be the best. I think he wants to win for this city. Like he attached himself for 13 years to a city. He didn't have to do that. You know, he could have taken a mega deal for six, seven years and then reevaluated the situation. I mean, he wanted to be, you know, tied to a city and its identity. And so like, yeah, does he play to the crowd a little bit? Sure he does. But I mean, I, I think you're talking about a special, special type of athlete here. Mount Rushmore? Philly's Philly Mount has, Rushmore? Well, not Philly's. Philly. So we got Dawkins, Iverson. I, don't know, I mean, no, but right now, but right now, he right now he's the number one athlete in Philadelphia. I mean, when oh, we put yeah. together, we I think I think Gilio put together a top 10 list in the summer. Right. And we had uh and we kind of nitpicked it just because it was a slow day and there's nothing else to write about anyway. I wrote that in the headline. Yeah, I think he had Embiid one, Harper. Or I think he had Harper one, Embiid two, or, or Embiid one and Harper two or some shit like that. And there was like A.J. Brown was number three. I hadn't even played a game for the Eagles yet, you know, because we there was a lot of uncertainty going into it then. Like, it, like well, I had it like 1A, 1B. However, if you like baseball better than Harper's your number one, if you like basketball better than Embiid's your number one. But, I mean, Harper quite clearly is number one in the city right now. Then maybe maybe Embiid might even not not even be number two at the way. He's could be Hurts. Right could be AJ Brown, number two, number three, wherever you want to put him. You're talking about an, an undefeated football team right now. Yeah. Somebody's got to be in the top three there. But yeah, yeah. If you don't have Bryce Harper one right now, then I, I don't know. I don't know what you're watching. There's no argument. He's hit, he's hitting like four sixteen, four fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the postseason, I, I, I would imagine there's a, a decent chance he's going to need elbow surgery this offseason. I mean, he's not yeah. throwing a baseball here. It's been months. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's going to require some type of surgical repair. He missed two months with a broken thumb. He's performing at a, an absolutely legendary level. I mean, at Kelsey, right? Like, yeah, Kelsey on the list, I guess. For sure. I mean, Kelsey, right from now. a personality standpoint, you have to. I mean, yeah. From a production standpoint, he's a top 10 guy, but I mean, you're still talking about a, a football center versus. By the way, wasn't it pretty, isn't it funny how like Jordan Maialata is just walk, just like walking around downtown after the, of course he's six foot eight and he's like a huge, like Australian du dude, you know? So it's like, of course he's not going to be able to go incognito, you know? But then he tells Steve Keeley, he's like, first of all, hi, my name is Jordan. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jordan. You know, can I get Steve, an introduction? You can't. You can't yell Steve Keeley though. Steve Keeley's used to just tracking down like uh, CCTV footage of the next biggest like crime that happened in. Uh, yeah, he's on card 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 Jackapalooza beat right now. You this know, is where this is where up. Bob's palms start getting sweaty when we start talking about crime and everything. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah he, like, <laughs> he just rolls he out. The, the reverse Chris Collinsworth off the screen. But uh, now Steve Keeley's done so much violence over the last year. He got a different assignment. He's like, I don't know what to do. How do I talk to a normal person? Here's a, here's a person that is celebratory. Nobody died and nobody got carjacked. What do I do? You know, what but Kelsey, Kelsey, Kelsey walking around the concourse, 
um a bunch of like dudes from other teams would post on instagram like hey i'm in center city or whatever it's just like normal shit i mean like they 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 are like and here's the thing bob like they, they this phillies team like going to xfinity live and shit like that Never in a million fucking years would Ben Simmons have ever gone to Xfinity Live to hang out with the fans. No. I know that he's an easy target and he's low-hanging fruit right now, but think about it. I mean, there's a lot of, like, ego superstars, not just in basketball, but in other sports, who wouldn't have been caught dead doing that. They would have gotten their friggin' Lamborghini and driven back to Morristown or whatever, you know? Yeah, Listen, Kyle Schwarber is is that guy. Like, he's going to be the next guy that this city just – falls in love with may have already you know maybe maybe what's happened here in the playoffs has finally done that you know i we've talked about so many times i don't waste too much more time on it but i said to you guys a million times like if they have these big time moments in the postseason it changes everything like the fans come you build that connection and like now here we are it's happening Mm -hmm. and like you see kyle schwerber going crazy in the clubhouse just out of his mind yeah telling people to eat his asshole right (laughs) (laughs) he did he did we approved of the film we approved of that um brian smith's got a good question here would the 018 be at xfinity live i'm gonna say no i i they were a little further along in their careers and stuff you know you got your bryces your schwarbers and everything but i think those guys were like at the top of the 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 mountain Pat Burrell was like an old city guy. Yeah. I mean, like he he was out in the city a lot. A couple of those guys were, but yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think that this this team's a little bit more like every man. I feel like this team's a little bit more like they'll mix it up. Well, there's no uh, star except for Wheeler and Harper. I would say those are your two stars, and then it's kind of just a bunch of guys who are just like on this tear. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think I'm 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 cool with that. I think that that makes sense. I think this team's definitely a little bit a little bit more relatable uh, to to like the the everyday guy, I guess. This playoff run uh, is a amalgam, a a m a l a m a l g a m of the Eagles Super Bowl run and the Flyers' last run to the Stanley Cup. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, the Flyers back ended into the playoffs on the final day of the season, I think with the shootout. Right. And they only ended up being the seventh seed because they were tied with Montreal on points. So they rip off a couple up upsets. And then you have a seven, eight game in the Eastern conference finals. Then they go to the Stanley cup finals. Everybody knew that the Blackhawks were the better team. Right. You know, and the Astros are coming into it, having not lost a single frigging game in the postseason. Right. So there's a lot of similarities there, but then the Eagles thing too, like we talked about at the same time, you know, everybody hates the Astros. Everybody hated the Patriots. So you get this weird conflux of like, oh, I, I you know, it's like a your average uh, American election. I'm going to pick the least shitty candidate of the two and cheer for them. And so now you got the rest of the world, the rest of the country cheering for the Phillies like they did the Eagles in 2017. But it's crazy how they both it's like the, it's like two like diverging like thoughts there. And then they come together at the same time. There's so many similarities to to the Flyers and how they got into the playoffs and then how it how it's ending now with the matchup that they have so similar to what the Eagles had with the Patriots in 2017. It's really like jarring when you think about it, you know, it's almost like a carbon copy of that, except for the circumstances of them getting into the playoffs, you know? Yeah. Um, favorite moments from Sunday. Anyone off the top of your head in the game or like, no, after- no, no, no. After the game, a celebration. I mean, listen, just walking in, just walking in and see like you're walking into that celebration. Like, so the, the 25 feet from the, the entrance to just approaching it, you're like, 
Wow. Yeah, what was it like outside the stadium after? Did a lot of people stay around, or was it more you think they everyone went to Broad Street? I, I guess a lot of Xfinity Live, right? Xfinity Live, yeah. You know, I think that there was, you had the, the section of those people, and then you had the section of people that just sat in their car for two hours trying to get out of there. <laughs> you know, it was, it was pretty tough. Like, we got out. I got out of there probably about an hour and 45 two hours after the game and there was still some pretty good traffic around the stadium at that point but yeah i mean my the the the, from a from a observational standpoint like just approaching that celebration was was pretty cool i mean you know i I pointed out i mean there's people that would pay ten thousand dollars to be able to see that in person right like it was just a very unique experience and to be able to kind of capture the emotion of that moment for those players was was pretty Pretty cool. I mean, you know, yeah. So that was definitely a, like the the highlight for me, I guess. You know, you know what was like was hilarious to me was the amount of people who ended up with a conflict this weekend because yes. they just did not expect this. And I just yeah. threw that out there as like a throwaway comment on Twitter, and I got like two thousand like responses or some shit like that. And but I was in like the same boat too because my wife is out in California right now. She left on Sunday morning. And when we were talking about her going on this business trip, I was like, yeah, that's a good weekend. You know, the Eagles aren't playing. They're on a bye week or whatever. The Phillies are going to be done, you know? So here I am with a one-year-old and a three-year-old. We had a family function planned for Sunday. So I schlepped the kids down there and we're down there for the first like six or seven innings or whatever. And like, shit, they might do this. And then I think they, you know, Sir Anthony threw a couple balls into the dirt or whatever. And I'm like, all right, well, let me get back in the truck anyway. Maybe they'll like yeah. Come Kev, back and figure it out, you know. Me and me and uh, me and Craig decided to go down because we're like, you know what? If they do come back, we're, yeah, Craig has. So so you weren't. So when did you guys leave to go? To he Frank came over my place at the sixth inning, and we went yeah. right to the northeast. And yeah. so we're sitting, getting the camera ready and everything. He has the game up on his phone. We're listening on the radio. The radio is obviously ahead of the. Uh, uh, is behind the phone. Yeah. And no, it's ahead of the phone. Excuse me, because we're streaming it. Bryce Harper hits the home run. And you just see all the trash trucks, all the cops yeah. immediately start pulling start. in to the streets and everything. And it was so fucking cool. Yeah. It was yeah. so awesome. So I got back like probably around like the seventh or like eighth inning or something like that, I guess. And I plopped the the two girls down in front of the TV and I put like an endless loop of bubble guppies on television. Or whatever. So they're both <laughs> occupied. You know, I pull up my laptop and I put the laptop up on the table. I got to cook dinner for them at the same time. So it, just, it started happening. Right. And I'm just like doing. I was like a multitasking motherfucker at this point. Like I'd write a story, and post it. then I'd go throw like a bunch of stuff in the oven. Then I'd get the, get them what they needed. And then I'd like fast forward through the YouTube commercials. Then I'd put another post up and I'd go back to the oven. And I'd like, okay, I'm going to cut up some fruit here for the, for my daughters. You know, it was just like, but it was, it was like crazy, man. Cause I, I how many people did we hear from who, who were like at a wedding? Yeah. Listen, or- I have a, <laughs> I have a, a thought about this. There's different tiers to commitments, right? So like if it's your own wedding, you're, you're kind of half, you're going to have to commit to that. What I would say is what you want to do for anybody out there to avoid this in the future is you, you need to establish selfishness. Like you have to be, you have to be a good person, but then simultaneously be super, super selfish. Like what I've been able to do in my life now in my 37 years, like my wife is, is fantastic. She's great. Um, I work hard. I'm a good dad. But like, there's just certain things that are non-starters. So like, if we were in this situation this past weekend, and the Phillies were in the you know NLCS or the Eagles were even on, like we all know in the in the Wankel family, both immediate and extended, if the Eagles are on, do not fucking bother me. Like, do not even waste your time 
trying to ask if I'm interested in going to the pumpkin patch or to, uh, you know, a sixth birthday party or any of that. That's it's yeah. just not going to happen. It's yeah. met with yeah. a <laughs> yeah, yeah, good one. <laughs> you know, right now it's, it's, I've, it's, I've go ahead, Kev. No, I was just gonna say real quick. It's like in the movie Office Space when they're talking about going to jail, and he's like, "What you got to do is uh, kick somebody's ass on the first day, or become somebody's <laughs> bitch. You got to lay the groundwork right on the first first day, and like let your wife know what's up." So. Yeah, yeah. Right now, I've, I've uh, girlfriend is kind of understanding that, like between August and March, around conference yeah. tournament time, conference tournament week is a perfect week for a vacation to anywhere you want to go. But before that, the Super Bowl. We're chilling, all right. It's football yeah. season, and that's and that's what we got to do because it makes the money run. Man, I know it, it is what it is. You got to set some ground rules, you know. Also, the other thing that you could do from a macro level perspective—that's for oh, EJ. everyone. Take a drink. Give us a macro. Yeah, macro take a shot. Level. That's for EJM right there. Uh, <laughs> just don't schedule anything in the fall ever, you know, because you're gonna get fucked no matter what. I mean, how many? How much <laughs> lost? pumpkin patch revenue do you think there was this weekend you know? probably a lot lynn villa orchard was yeah vacant for the first time lynn villa is gonna have to start selling at least a couple parcels of land now that's right yeah they lost they probably lost they probably lost more money than when uh the city of philadelphia accidentally destroyed all the hops for uh philly brewing and then chad with two d's got all pissed off about it you know we got a lot of uh we got a lot of halloween parties being uh altered i think this weekend oh. yeah so xfinity live has already canceled yeah. all of their halloween activities they're like yeah. fuck off we know where our bread is buttered we're doing yeah. that yeah um so the thing is like is it bad that i i rooted against the phillies in game two because i had a wedding on saturday i knew i wasn't going to be able to go do man on the street if uh wow. if they were swept yeah that's that's pretty selfish man yeah. I, <laughs> I got a friend i got a friend who's got a uh, a halloween party this weekend and oh, sorry. His, his debate is he's got to go. He's tied in because he didn't take the, the Wankel plan, which is established <laughs> total selfishness. He didn't do that. The Wankel system. Give, way too much give by him. But he's coming to me and he says, the problem here now is like that they say they're going to have the game, but it's streaming. And can I oh, trust so behind? Yeah. He's like, we might be a little outside. It's going to be behind. I'm going to be getting text messages. It's going to be all off base. That's mm-hmm. going to totally destroy my viewing experience. I said, yeah, that would, I'd be out. I'd say, sorry, guys. That's you should teach the uh, the Wankel method at like, uh, sorry, I'm um, editing Anthony at the same time here. Um, they should teach the Wankel method at like a seminar. Like they bring in that Phil yeah. Canella guy to do the crash. It's, it's important. The key is you have to, you still have to be a good person. You know, overall you have to, to be a good person, but then you have to exude the selfishness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. establish ground rules. Yeah, it's like the dentist system in uh in Always Sunny. Have you ever seen that? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So I just sent this over to Dave. He can pull it up. So I I got my tickets for the World Series. Really? Now I'll be there game one. My buddy just sent over what our tickets are going for in our section in our row. Oh man, one hundred seven row eleven is where I'm sitting. Two thousand dollars right now. Now I think that'll come down. I don't think that'll be what people will be paying next Monday. But I love the Phillies. I love this run. Am I really saying no to $8,000? Eight grand? We need four tickets. I think what you do, right? I mean, like, if you're kind of uh, a person that's like, the experience matters to me, but it it isn't going to define my existence. Because there are those people that are like, I I wouldn't sell it for anything, right? So you're that guy, and that's fine. So I think what you got to do, though, is kind of like, 
see how the first two games go. If the Phillies, what what game is it that you have? One, a uh, three, three, first one. Right? If the Phillies come down, they're down 2-0, right? Or 0-2, however you want to say it. If they come down in that hole, like it's going to be like a great crowd and the World Series back in Philadelphia. It's totally worth going to, you know, it's going to be worth being at. But if they somehow manage to split those first two games and people are like believing, or if they win the first two games, holy shit, right? Like, I almost think, like, for me, it would depend a little bit about, like, if I were doing this as a fan, I think I would probably see those two games out. That being said, I probably feel a little bit more strongly about baseball than you do. I'm going. A lot of money. I'm going. I'm going. You can probably. Was it you who was saying earlier that you can get tickets cheaper in Houston and just friggin' fly there? <laughs> you probably could. Um, yeah. I don't know what you, you thought about it, Bob. You were in you were in game three on Friday, right? You were there? Yeah, I was there all weekend, yeah. No juice. I don't know if they priced out the mongrels. I don't know if everyone had tight buttholes because it was 1-1. I was there Friday. It was not like the Friday against the Braves. I don't know what it was. But, man, did it feel like a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxious crowd, not many. Like, you know, when we were doing the Strider, those chants, the DUI chants, there was a couple people trying to start the Musgrove chants and whatnot, and that wasn't catching on. I, I, I need a juiced-up crowd. I don't know how Saturday and Sunday was, but Friday was a lot of tight buttholes. I actually thought that the crowd was better. I thought the best crowd, like, from start to finish was Saturday. Yep. I thought Sunday – I thought Sunday towards the end of the game – it, like certainly the Harper home run, the entire ninth inning, like that was probably the peak of the entire weekend. I thought Saturday was the best crowd of the three days from start to finish though. Friday, like I kind of agree. I always say sometimes like with Eagles games, like it can have a little bit of a corporate feel to it. Like it's yeah. loud as hell there. The link can be, you know, is nasty. A lot of shit talking, especially like primetime games. I feel like a lot of the corporate people are like, ah, it's a late night. I'm, I'm out like here. I'm going to get rid of my tickets. And so you get a little bit more edge, right? But sometimes those one o'clock games, especially like on nicer days, like it's a little, it's still great, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. It felt really corporate. It was like a great crowd, but it wasn't that nasty crowd that was super hostile and had all that edge that we saw against Atlanta. And the only difference I could think of is just that it was such a buildup to get back. It was such a long time coming. Like baseball's back in Philly, you know, Fuck the Braves. There are a lot of like, there's more of a rivalry there. There's more of a history there. So maybe it was that. I kind of was a little surprised by it because I thought the extra a few hours, maybe some more drinking, but that's where I think Saturday helped. I really mm-hmm. think like everyone had the entire day to like party a little bit more and come in a little bit more revved up. Felt good up to one and stuff. Like yeah. we're not losing this game yet. That crowd was in it. The, the most important, like one of the most important parts of this entire weekend. And I'm telling you, like, they erased that 4 nothing deficit on Saturday. It's not just that they erased it. It's how quickly they did it. Like, I know that they only got three back in the bottom of the first. But if you're down 4 nothing, the second, the third, and the fourth, you're taking that crowd out of the game for an extended period of time. You come back and punch them in the mouth there right away, and that crowd could feel it. Like, they knew it was just a matter of time, right? And I thought it was just so important. So, in that way, like, Reese Hoskins, like, obviously had a bunch of big hits in this series over the weekend. The home run on Sunday was monster. But that home run in the first inning, man, changed everything for that entire night. One guy, and I feel like he's he's getting his due, but he's also kind of an underlining, underrated story to this. Dude, Bryson Stott has the biggest Utley vibes I've ever seen. Like him just continually to fucking 
battle eight pitch at bats, nine pitch at bats, and then send one up the middle or send one to a double, just start some rallies, man. That kid, I hope he's going to be awesome because he seems like an A-plus dude, too. He left that guy those tickets his, whose, whose dad passed away from cancer. Yeah. He wears five because of his buddy who died from cancer. Like He just seems like an all-around awesome guy. Yeah, like there's there's certain guys that are just you you have it right. Like we've mm-hmm. talked, I think, about this on probably this show before. I've I've certainly done stories about him and have mentioned this. Like he hit two thirty four during the regular season. Look at his post game or his postseason stats. Not very impressive, but it just feels like every time they need a hit, they need a spark. Like he's kind of in the middle of it. He's just mm-hmm. one of those players that maybe he's never going to be a three twenty hitter. Maybe he's never going to be a premium player but a guy that just finds a way in a key spot to, to make something happen. And man, he has done that for this team numerous times throughout the regular season, especially the second half. And, you know, certainly in this postseason, he's tough, man. Like he's, he's got it. He really does. I'm totally with you on that. I want, I want to keep the good vibes going, but I got to ask this. He's a playoff hero. He's going to be a part of some of the top 10, top five moments in this series. We were railing against him last week, and we were talking about there's no shot that they bring him back and they potentially trade. Reese Hoskins, are the Phillies, say they win the World Series, say they don't win the World Series, you can take both both uh, both concepts here. Are they still bringing him back next year? Because he's had some back-breaking moments, but he's had some uplifting moments. They're so, so fascinating. Like, Reese <laughs> Hoskins is absolutely just a fascinating player to talk about. I want to love him. There's this this section of the fan base that even when he's at his absolute worst, they will blindly defend him. And then there's this part of the fan base that just will not give him any credit whatsoever. Um, first thing you have to know is, right, like he is under contract next year. But they have to make a decision. If they're not going to retain him beyond next year, do you let him just play out that last year of control and then part ways? Or do you try to trade him he presumably has some serious value after what he's done this postseason. Would you trade him if it made sense and you could better your team? If you're the Phillies and you want to go out and invest in another infielder, like let's say, uh, you know, Trey Turner, right? That's a name that you're going to hear a lot about this winter. So then what? Like Alec Bohm is probably here now, right? So is Alec Bohm a first baseman? And then do you reconfigure the rest of your infield and add a guy like Turner? Like that's a consideration. There's so many different things that go into it. I was kind of of the belief that had they not made the postseason or let's say that they just got bounced in two games by the Cardinals, that they would look at the the composition of their team and say, certain things aren't working here. It's not like it's Reese Hoskins' fault, but like maybe we just need to do something different. But one of the things I I, I said this on a radio hit, I was on with uh, Gilio one night and we we're saying, you know, if if they make a deep run and he's in the middle of everything, could that change the way that the team sort of like computes the future? And now here we are. This is more or less what's happened. Reese Hoskins has shown you all the reasons to kind of not believe in him, but he has shown you so many reasons to, to believe in him. What he did this weekend for sure. Not only did he put this team in the world series, but like he's a wall of fame player now, right? Like, Oh, oh. he's a, he's a wall of fame player. I mean, he's, he's up on the wall. There's wow. no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt. I guess, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, he might have been, he might have been with a bad series against the Padres, even after that bat spike. Like, I thought the bat spike probably did it. Wow. But now, I mean, dude, you're talking about just three monster home runs 
over the two concluding games of a National League Championship Series. No offense to some of the other guys on that wall. There's one that comes to mind, but I I like him. Uh, But, I mean, Reese Hoskins is ahead of that. I know who you were going to say. But this year they inducted, like, Bake McBride, right? Yeah. Like, and, those, and those guys were and those guys were were playoff heroes. They right. were, but no one, yeah. no one's people are going to have the same thought about Reese yeah. Hoskins 20, 30 years from now that they have about. Big God, your response to this, I, I was in the shower today and I was I was thinking okay. about like what I'm can the, I do? This, Let like, me get the visual. What can I, I do this week? Right. And I thought to myself like Reese Hoskins is a Wall of Fame player. I'm like, is that even worth doing? Like, is that controversial? But I think it's response, controversial. Your response, I guess, kind of gives it some validation. It's his first playoff appearance in in his career. He's been here for what four eight years now. Yeah, but I mean, you look at he comes here in 2017. I want to say the end. Of, is he top ten in anything except for strikeouts in the playoffs here? Uh, but I mean, like just the moments and like the overall production, like where he ranks. He's a good dude. I, I don't know. I just think <laughs> Reese meets the lever. Thank you. <laughs> that's a that's a former guest, Bob. I know. Who DN'd me saying, I hope I see you. I'm coming to games two and three. I mean, or seems like a great guy. Four or five. I, but I yeah, mean, but those it's, not the, it's not the baseball <laughs> hall, of, hall of Fame. You know, know. It's, right. it's the Phillies Wall of Fame. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a bunch of dudes who were questioned. Even put Lieberthal, take Lieberthal and put him off to the side. There's a bunch of dudes on there. Yeah. Manny Trio was he part. like he was a he was a playoff hero. He's on the wall. Oh, my dad will tell you that Manny Trio is like a slam dunk, no <laughs> doubt about it. Like yeah. he grew like yeah. you know eighty. I think he was like thirty years old, and he just was like, oh, Manny Trio is one of the best. You know, so. yeah, yeah, not Manny Fresh from the uh, Cash Money Millionaires. Hey, Bob, would you um, would you entertain the thought of going with Nola in Game One? Uh, I think the Phillies are entertaining that thought. Uh, from from. I just looked down at my phone when we first started here and uh, there's some, some stuff out there. It's being tied to Gelb. I don't know. Like I haven't seen it on his Twitter. So oh, did somebody report something about, about it? I, oh. There's some talk that, that Nola is going to start game one. I don't have that official, but. So uh, Nola, yeah. so it'd be Nola Verlander, Wheeler, Valdez. I don't know what they're doing with Verlander. Have they? I, I don't know that they've actually announced on their end. Nothing official is what Dave's popping in here. So, yeah, I mean, to your point, like, let's just say that they haven't officially announced or they're not making that decision as of yet. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think there's something totally, uh, totally worth looking at there. I mean, the thought being that Nola pitches a little bit better with that additional day of rest, uh, or I'm sorry, you give Wheeler that additional day of rest, like that, that helps a little bit. Nola. Uh, pitches better at home traditionally that gets him you know you, you line him up game one and five at that point like I just think like you can bring there's just so many different variables to it I, I will tell you this my my thought is like actually talking to, about Nola being at home there was some some talk Anthony suggested this to me yesterday and I kind of said there's no way but like using Nola game three to get him a start at home. And then you bring him back in game, like a potential game seven. My thought is get your best guy, get him on the mound as soon as possible and just, you know, go with it. But why does the postseason schedule suck so much? Like why was there no, or was there only one off day in the NLCS? That makes zero sense. Are they, are they up against time or something like that? Do they have to finish the season by a select time? Uh, Major league baseball kind of imposed this, like uh, when they were going through the labor negotiation, like it, it shouldn't be like this. Um, but one of the things that happened was obviously the season starts a week late. They, they don't want to take this thing into the middle of November. 
so that's why they eliminated that second travel day between games uh, five and six. You know, if they would have had to go back to San Diego, they wouldn't have had that day. Usually you build in another off day there. Like they're trying to get this thing done by what's the, what's the drop dead date. So game game seven is November 7th, I think. Okay. Is it really? No, it's November. It's November 5th. Fifth because, because Halloween is game three in Philly. And then, yeah, there's only two off days during the week. The only reason I know that, yeah, is because, uh, yeah, because that Eagles game is on that Thursday, and then you got four and five on Friday and Saturday. So, but yeah. So we're getting we're getting Fetterman and Oz ads all during the World Series too. His election day is not till the fucking seventh. What is going on here? Yeah, yeah, it's Jesus bad, man. Christ. I get I get more mailers. I get more mailers. All my mailboxes, it's like a three political ads and like a credit card offer, and the go. IRS asking for more money. You know, there you but, go, Bob. Yeah. What do you think? Who you go? Who you rooting for? Uh, Fetterman or Oz in the election coming up? <laughs> nice. I, I live in new jersey that's so see that, that's the right that, answer oh, that's that right. is not that's not my problem yeah i'm rooting for those ads to end how about that there yeah me go. too is ted cruz gonna be at the astros game that's the question as bob the yankees game so he probably will be he'll probably be here ted cruz at the astros. um now here's a guy <clears throat> i'm trying to think any any uh any fan celebrations on broad street or on uh uh, after the game that stick I, was, one- I was too I was in there too too long to to really get like the moment outside the stadium stuff so I wasn't able to really capture the pulse of the city mine favorite was probably the guy who got stuck on the pole and couldn't get down from the pole he was like a cat and the fire department had to come out and put it I think Dave you have that one pulled up the fire department had to come out and get the guy a ladder <laughs> and he initially goes on the ladder Dave back it up he initially see here they are. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Like, why couldn't he just like hold on and slide I think he got down. scared. He's so not look, that high up there. I mean, come on. I, but, no, but I feel like arm. you get up there and you're like, that's like seven to ten feet in the air. That's pretty high up there. That's this guy's wasting up. taxpayer dollars here with this shit. <laughs> but he this? initially goes on the ladder, creeps <laughs> up, and then kind of like goes back and he's like, ah, yeah, I didn't like it. And then he just then he finally goes down. Now, is there like any fine imposed here? Like he gets to the bottom and like he's ticketed or like do we potentially? I would say probably. There's yeah. two firefighters and like seven cops standing around and they're like, surely they they didn't need that many people to do this, did they? Say what you want about the Northeast. Strong on the anti uh pole climbing stance. Yeah. No poles were climbed on Frank. No, a- no amateurs, just real one, fans. One guy, one guy tried to, cops stopped him right away. They didn't even they didn't even use grease, which yeah. is uh, shocking. But uh, but yeah, Bob. Anything else you got? I mean, before uh, before we get out of here, I mean, next time we'll talk. It'll be right before game, right before game one, so we can do a preview if you want to come back on and whatnot. Yeah, that's uh, that's. Or cool maybe we'll now. get Matt Gelb. Yeah, get Gelb. We'll get Gelb, and Pody, and Marcus at the same time. That would be awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. And we'll that's get Fetterman. We'll get Fetterman and Oz on here too. It's true. Gelb will, uh, will be traveling probably at that point, yeah. I would imagine. But uh, we'll get Doug Mastriano to come on the show, <laughs> and then we'll be taken off of off of YouTube almost immediately. That's right. Yeah, it'll be the only media he's ever done for this entire. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think, Bob? Going into uh, anything else you got before we get out of here? No, I think that I, I had a good time. Thank, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Is this because I? Uh, is this because I sent you a nice text message last night and said that I? 
thought you were really talented and that your video was cool. Yeah, it was it was it was really nice. And I know you're probably the biggest hard ass at Crossing Broad for so for me to get that from you, I knew it meant a lot to you, and I appreciate that. I love that that's my reputation. That like yeah. I'm just like super tough. Huge hard ass. I'm pretty brutal actually. Big J yeah. Bob. Yeah. Big I mean, J you Bob. yeah, you cover the Phillies, you can't even smile when you walk into the clubhouse, you can't even taste, you can't even lick lick the champagne or the beer off your lips because that would just not be a big J. And uh, you'd probably get your credential revoked. So I could but, force uh, Bob off the show right now by bringing up soccer. Do you want me to do that? And then he'll log off immediately. Yeah. Um, um, just real quick, because I found this funny. I know. Oh, Jesus. We are doing soccer talk. No, just real quick. Look at this. Jim, Jim Curtin won coach of the year by, listen to this. Listen to this. Jim Curtin won coach of the year by point by 0.1%. Is that bad? He so he got a twenty three point five seven percent, and the runner up got a twenty three point four seven percent. Is should he have won by a lot more? No, I, I didn't. I didn't even know. I didn't even think that he was going to. Wow, but that's his second coach of the year in three seasons, and he won it by zero point one percent. How do you feel that the union are getting no love in the uh, in the postseason by that woman who set, who was on Fox 29 and they were like, uh, <laughs> shout out to the Phillies and the Flyers and the Sixers and the union. And the girl goes, the union? Uh, like yeah. the blue collar workers? Yeah. Shout out to IBEW. Yeah. Shout out to the bricklayers. The pipe fitters, <laughs> the steam fitters. But the other woman, the other woman did know. See, that's her saying it right mm -hmm. there. Yeah, she did know who they were. Um, and then uh, the reporter just goes, oh, my God, here. Oh, my. Um, I thought that was hilarious, man. I, I, I'm i not surprised. I actually uh, – listen, man, I'll leave it on this. You don't got to like soccer. Nobody's making you. you well, know? I mean, the city's not four for four as much as they love to say four for four. It's like two, two and a half and a half. Well, I know. I know. I mean, there's a lot of Flyers fans that don't give a fuck about the Sixers. A lot of Sixers fans that don't give a fuck about the Flyers. But don't tell the cuz, you know, because that hey, crush group, me. group me and the guy who doesn't give a fuck about the Sixers right now. I am not wasting any of my time on the Sixers right now. I'm wasting no. it on the Phillies, on the Sixers. Yeah. And I'm, I'll, I'll keep the uh, the Flyers at an arm's length. We I might tune in for uh, the MLS Cup if the if the union make the MLS Cup. Yeah, it's crazy, man. We haven't even done we haven't even done an Eagles story in the last seventy two hours. One Sixers story, zero Flyer stories. We'll get it back to all that shit. But I mean, it's it's just I mean, it's magical when the Phillies are playing well. So it really fun, is. Man. It really yeah. is. Boycott until Doc is gone. You're right there, EJM. Um, all right, that's what I'll. Thought. Yeah. <laughs> oh, take another shot. Kev said oh. macro. Oh. All right. Uh, that is the broadcast for today. Thank you to everybody who tuned in. Thank you to Bob Wenkel for coming on. Thank you to Kevin Kincaid. Thank you to Dave on the ones and twos behind the scenes. We will talk to you on Thursday right before game one. Love you guys. Thanks so much. Shout out Frankfurt and Cotman. Let's go. Guys.